At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Fact, Joe Girardi was fired by the Yankees after a 10-year run, in part because he struggled to relate to a younger generation of players in the front office while they respected him, did find it increasingly hard to relate and collaborate with Girardi. Fact number two, Girardi wanted the Mets, the Mets were interested in Girardi, but there was never that mutual connection that he felt in his interview process with Philadelphia. Fact number three, Joe Girardi is an accomplished major league in-game manager, and the pressure is now on Brody Van Wagenen, as it always has been, to pick a brilliant choice, a special person who can help take the Mets to the next level. Final fact. Twitter and talk radio are no way for an organization to make decisions, and they should be lauded for the fact, the Mets should, that they didn't make this decision based on public opinion, but they made it based on their personal connection or lack thereof to Joe Girardi. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, October the 27th, 2019. Of course, you can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And the preferred way to get the podcast is on Apple Podcasts. If you could leave me a review, I'd greatly appreciate it. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. It's been a while, and I thought before game... Five of the World Series, what better way to check in here and give you guys an idea of what I think is going on uh, than to uh, do this Sunday podcast. We're not really back on a regular schedule, and I had said after the last podcast that I did, we'll wait till the manager is named, and of course the theme of that podcast was why the Mets should make Joe Girardi their next manager, and why they should go the experience route with their next manager, and I went through the history of the Mets and kind of how they haven't been getting it right for quite some time. And sure enough, uh, and many people felt that way. I remember even Mike Francesa very early on in the process had said on the radio that he felt the Mets would go new and, and go someone that is not known. And that appears that is, that is exactly what the case will be. Joining me in just a little bit, uh, he was on the last podcast when we talked about Girardi right after Mickey Calloway was fired, is uh, Rich Mancuso. Uh, Rich, a friend of the podcast, contributed to the podcast, and we'll get his take on what he thinks is going on. Now, where are we at? I know just a couple of hours ago, the name Pat Murphy, the Brewers uh, bench coach, came out and uh, don't know much about him other than a longtime college baseball coach, Notre Dame, uh, Arizona State. Uh, connection to Craig Council. He was a shortstop at Notre Dame. Uh, what I have read about him in the couple of hours since the news came out, a bit of a old-school taskmaster in uh, the college ranks, uh, lost his job 
at Arizona State after some, uh, seems, flimsy accusations from the NCAA. Started from the way bottom of the minor league rungs and then worked his way back up to bench coach uh, for Craig Council with a little stop and a pit stop in between as an interim manager of the San Diego Padres in 2015 after Bud Black was fired. So, you know, that's the latest news from the Mets managerial situation. Now, we know Eduardo Perez's name is out there. We know Carlos Beltran's name is out there. We know Tim Bogart's name is out there. Uh, we know Derek Shelton, bench coach for the Minnesota Twins, is out there. And then the Mets quality control coach, Luis Rojas, uh, brother of Moise Salou, is out there. And there's also a quote-unquote bombshell candidate. So there's a lot out there that we need to uh, digest. And, you know, here's what I know. Uh, I know this, is that from what I understand right now, I think we're all clear, and you heard Andy Martino's comments in the opening there. The, the Mets did not feel a connection to Girardi, Brody Van Wagen, and did not feel like Girardi won those interviews. Girardi didn't feel the same connection back. He went to a Chicago interview. He went to the Philadelphia interview. He went to the Mets interview. Clearly, out of those interviews, he got the best feel from the Phillies. Now, the Phillies did the interview process exactly how I wanted the Mets to do it. And I guess at the end of the day, we'll see as the season starts and towards the end of next year, who is right? And look, the manager can't get outs in the eighth inning and they can't close and they, they can't get big hits. And maybe we're overrating the manager. I'm certainly thinking that to a certain extent we're overrating the manager. But they do set the tone. They do enforce the culture. They can execute the blueprint, especially in this situation where it appears that the front office now wants to be front and center with how the game is run. So they're almost partners now, the way it goes. Uh, But I really felt where the Mets were right now, where they were from a marketing standpoint, where they were from on the field standpoint, they needed someone that could get this team that has talent, maybe a little just disjointed in some areas, but uh, would able to get this team to the next level in a short period of time. That's not what Brody Van Wagenen wants. Uh, Joel Sherman said it best. Joel Sherman said that Van Wagenen wants someone that he has as a partner, that he could have dinner with, that is going to be their long-term manager. And if you remember, right after that sweep in Miami, when we were discussing Mickey Calloway and whether they should fire Mickey Calloway, and I kept saying it's a waste of time because... You know, you're not going to solve anything right now. You got to live or die with Callaway at least for the year. Uh, if you're going to make a change, I said at that time, it has to be for somebody that is your long-term solution. And the Mets haven't had one of those guys in a long time. Really, Davey Johnson became that guy in the '80s. I said this on the last podcast. Every other manager since then has failed miserably, and they stumbled into Bobby Valentine, and that didn't come without some landmines, and I think to a certain degree, Bobby and uh, and things falling into place in 1999 really uh, extended his stay because he was on the verge of being fired in 1999. So he would have had another turnover at that point. So if the Mets can pick somebody that's their Ron Gardenhire, you know, a guy that was in Minnesota forever, uh, somebody that, you know, they can grow with and can put their stamp on this team, uh, you know, that would be great. Now, the information I have, and we'll see what Rich Mancuso has to say, is that Tim Bogar is in the lead. 
they do like Eduardo Perez, despite some of the marketing from the media saying that Eduardo Perez is the favorite. That's not what I understand to be the case. Uh, you know that you have, uh, and it's this has been you know reported by, uh, I believe the New York Post, I believe it was Joel Sherman, that you have Brody and you have Jeff Wilpon in the meetings, you have Adam Gutridge in the meetings, you have Allard Baird in the meetings, and you have Omar Minaya, and I think Omar Minaya is a big Eduardo Perez supporter. Uh, Tim Bogar getting support from Allard Baird uh, as Tim was on that Red Sox staff under Terry Francona, uh, as well as Bobby Valentine when Bobby had that failed stint in Boston. Now look, you could say, well, the last guy that Terry Francona endorsed was Mickey Calloway, and look how that worked out, but look, you continue to hear really good things about Bogart. He played here. That shouldn't matter. Just like it shouldn't matter what Carlos Beltran did or didn't do as a player here because, you know, that doesn't mean anything as a manager. The fans want Carlos Beltran. Well, Carlos Beltran's not going to play center field and he's not uh, going to, you know, uh, drive in any runs. He's not going to hit 40 home runs. He's going to manage. And you want to evaluate him on who he is now, not the player that they signed in 2005. So the information I have is that Tim Bogar is the guy that you should start taking a look at. That's the guy that seems to be standing out. Uh, Eduardo Perez is right up there, but Bogar may have a little bit of an edge, uh, a little bit over some of the other names that you've heard. But you know, then you also hear this Pat Murphy, uh, who comes up through the college ranks and you know is working for the Brewers as a bench coach. He's had a couple of interviews, so it makes you wonder, uh, you know, what they're looking for. Now, if you think for a minute. Like what's been reported, like the you know some members of the media, and I saw Dave Lennon of Newsday bring this up. Of course, our friend Mike Puma at the Post always likes to stir the pot. Brought this up as well that the Mets don't know what they want. Well, I don't believe that. I think they know kind of what they're looking for in terms of the type of individual, the type of front office dugout setup they want, and they want to see who fits best in that. And I think communication and collaboration has been cited as two of the bigger things that Brody's uh, high on. Brody Van Wagenen's going to be in the clubhouse. That was always like a big thing that bothered Bobby Valentine and uh, and Steve Phillips, you know, with Steve Phillips sometimes being in the clubhouse. You saw in Moneyball the uh, dynamic between Art Howe and Billy Bean. Uh, Brody wants to be, and he's a former agent, so he has a connection with players and and. I, I know that that's kind of a, a gray area when the, your boss starts hanging out in the clubhouse where the players have open access to air grievances. And let's face it, on a 25-man roster, if all 25 guys love you, you're probably doing something wrong as a manager because they're not going to love you. And if someone's happy with their playing time, then there's something wrong with that player because players should always want to play more. They should always want to contribute more. They should accept their roles and excel in it and say, if I do my role well... I'll get a better opportunity going forward here or somewhere else, but they shouldn't be satisfied. And the worst thing you want is that at any given moment, that player can air grievances above and go above the manager's head and and cause some problems. So I could understand that, but I think that's where Brody wants to have his partner, the person that you know is almost a a one a, a to who he is. So if you go to him, you go to the manager, you go to Brody, you're going to get the same answer. You're going to get the same kind of mindset coming from both of them. And um, I think ultimately they are putting a lot of emphasis on the communication with the players, handling of the personalities. I think communicating with the media and doing a better job there should be part of it. And then obviously collaborating with the front office. Whether you like it or not, and I don't, I'm not crazy about it, 
Adam Gutridge is going to be making out lineups. You know, there are going to be times where Tim Bulgard, Eduardo Perez, or whoever the manager is, they're going to come in and their lineup's going to be made for them, and this is the best optimal lineup for whatever reason this series. Mets are in St. Louis. This is why um, when they face Flaherty, this is why this is the best lineup today. could be because of who's hot. could be because of what's going on with Flaherty. They're going to use all the type of situations that are out there. They're using analytics, something that you guys have complained about their lack of of implementation for a while. You can't complain when they start going that route. And I don't think, I think, you know, you hire a manager, they should be allowed to manage. Uh, You should give them information, but ultimately they should be able to veto what you want. Uh, I get the sense the front office feels because of all the people they have working on various different uh, pieces of game planning that it would be uh, negligent not to allow one person regardless of their experience, uh, their career. Someone like Joe Girardi who played, who played at, uh, for teams that played at a high level, who managed in this town for a long time. I guess they don't want to see it and say, hey, here, hand it over. Now the Phillies, you know, they're going in the opposite direction because they had a situation that maybe the Mets are trying to do what the Phillies did with Kapler, and you saw how that didn't work well. Now, Kapler and you know was, was his own worst enemy at times and maybe his personality, and, and I have a feeling that Brody will will ultimately pick someone that I don't think would have those kind of issues per se, but this is what they're going for. Now, I had been tweeting about it, and there are some rumblings out there, and all I can say is I think this is an extreme long shot, but it would fall into exactly what communication, collaboration, long-term manager, what Brody Van Wagen is looking for, and that is, is he waiting... You know, he's vetting out the candidates that you have now, but is he waiting for the World Series to end to make a run at A.J. Hinge? Now, I, I first heard that. I was like, ah, that's kind of far-fetched. Then I heard some information that said, well, he has something that he's really looking at. And you keep hearing about a bombshell candidate or a situation that they're examining, and all signs point to that's the situation. What, what else would it be? And I have some information that says that he's already brought that up to ownership. Now, is it realistic? I don't know. I don't have A.J. Hinch's contract in front of me, but Brody, having been his agent, would clearly know what was in there. Is it unprecedented? Well, Barry Trotz re- uh, resigned rather than get the contract extension kick-in that he got after the Capitals won a championship, and then he became the Islanders coach. You saw Lou Pinella get traded. The Mets were involved in that. So it's not unprecedented. I mean, Bill Parcells pushed his way out of contracts all the time. You, know, you think the Patriots back in the 90s wanted Bill Parcells to go to the Jets? I mean, they the Jets paid the price, and then they paid the price with Belichick. They, they recouped, actually. The Jets paid the price to the Pats, and then the Pats took Belichick. I mean, look at what Belichick did. I know those are different sports. But it is, there is precedent. And if you don't think Brody Van Wagenen has looked at history and said, I can do this, it doesn't matter that it was football at all. Does A.J. Hinch want to leave Houston? Well, you guys saw what's been going on. I don't have to rehash that with the whole SI situation, the Tobin firing, you know, some of the reports that have come out that the culture there is a, a zero-sum culture where it doesn't matter what happens, you know, as long as it's you know, fitting into the algorithm and the efficiency is there and it leads to winning. You know, we're all good. That's sports, that's life to a certain degree. I think that in any case, 
you can have extremism in that mindset. Uh, and I don't think Brody Van Wagenen is that guy. So, look, he played with the guy. He was his agent. He, he may be on the verge of winning another title in Houston. Uh, you could only go one way. You could go down. And I'll tell you what, in Houston, there's never going to be a big payroll. Once that thing turns sideways, it's never going to get better than it is now in Houston. And uh, I know he's making some money, so the Mets are going to have to pay through the nose. I'm not here advocating that they should go out and give up their top prospect for A.J. Hinch. Uh, so it would be interesting to see what Houston would want in that situation. But if the guy wants to leave, there's always going to be an opportunity for him to leave. Uh, there's ways out of contracts. You saw that. We have in this town, Pat Riley, you know, he faxed his resignation. Then he went to Miami. I mean, do you need more examples? Again, I don't think that that's likely. But you keep hearing about a bombshell candidate. You haven't had the Mets name a manager. Yes, it could be because if the reports are true, some of the rumblings that I've heard, if that name is Tim Bogart, sure, they're going to wait till after the World Series. They're not going to have the guy distracted by this while his team is is trying to win a championship. Uh, But something tells me they know those guys aren't going anywhere. And if they're going to have one Hail Mary at a big-name manager... Well, let's go for it, but you can't go for it till after the World Series is over. Now, do I think A.J. Hinch is worth all that trouble? I have my doubts. The guy certainly has done a good job with the Astros. He was fired once before, and that's the I used that example when I talked about Mickey Callaway and how, you know, you guys don't like Callaway. Look, he got a job as a pitching coach really quick. Uh, with the Angels and Joe Madden, don't be surprised he does a good job there, especially working for Joe. And all of a sudden, in three years, he's up for another job, and his second job, he does better than he did with the Mets, and he becomes one of the preferred managers. And you're going to see a scratch your head go, well, who is that guy? Well, sometimes you need to give people a chance to learn the job. Uh, it's not easy. Managing in, in a baseball team is not easy. It's only one of 30 jobs. And managing in New York is not easy. But ultimately, you saw what all the reports have said. Brody's asking for advice. He's, he's, he's collaborating with his team. Uh, he's got a very tight circle. He's keeping the leaks to nil. I mean, even the information that's out there now, it's good information, but it's incomplete. It's kind of like having a puzzle and like 99% of the puzzle is blocked. So you're just taking like the fringy pieces of the puzzle trying to figure out what it is. Uh, And that's what we do. And I'll tell you what, Andy Martino is exactly correct. Kudos to the Mets for not allowing the media, talk radio fans to tell them who to hire. Because again, Brody Van Wagenen knows, and I've said this a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand and one, and you'll probably hear me say it a thousand more. You allow the fans and the media and the talking heads, myself included, because I said this is the guy you should hire, Joe Girardi. I was the first one online on that. You allow them to tell you what to do, sure enough, you'll be sitting right there with them. You'll be unemployed very quickly. And he knows the scoop on that. He knows the score on that. But ultimately, what does Mike Silva want out of a manager? And I'll say it again. Ever since I railed about Terry Collins needing to go from the start of this podcast almost five years ago. You want someone who can manage the clubhouse. You want someone who can manage the media. I've added somebody who can manage upward and work with the front office because that's the new thing working with the front office, who's a business partner. They're as much in that dugout, even though they're not physically in that dugout, as anybody. And then somebody who can manage a bullpen. Managing the bullpen is so important because that right now, 
every night, for the most part, you're going to at least be getting nine outs out of that bullpen, maybe 12, and now you've got teams in championship series, big games, starting relievers and going basically two innings at a time or an inning at a time. It just tells you if you can't manage a bullpen and you can't figure out how to make those guys successful, well, you're going to have an awful long season and you're going to find yourself on the unemployment line sooner rather than later. Anyway, let's take a quick break. When I return, let's hear what Rich Mancuso has to say. Rich has some good information. He's been plugged in. Let's hear if he thinks what I think. Is Tim Bogard the favorite? Is Eduardo Perez a serious candidate? What happened to Carlos Beltran? You haven't heard much about him. And can the Mets pull off a Hail Mary and maybe pull A.J. Hinch away from the Houston Astros? You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five, because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon. And enjoy the rest of the show. We're back and joining me, Rich Mancuso. Uh, you can check out Rich on Twitter at Ring786. You can get him on Facebook. Rich has been with uh, New York Sports Day. He's out there, uh, free agent, early free agency for Rich. So uh, soon he'll be with another outlet uh, to be named later. And Instead of waiting for that, we're in the midst of this managerial search. And the last time I was on the air, when I made my plea to the Mets to hire Joe Girardi, Rich was right there, giving us some insight as to uh, why Mickey Calloway was fired. And uh, and now he's uh, going to give us some insight into this managerial wheel of uh, spin the wheel. Rich, welcome to the program. It's like we're in Atlantic City with spinning the roulette wheel. Yeah, I don't know where I it's going to land, but I'll tell you where it's not going to land. Know. It's not going to land. <laughs> It's not going to land on Girardi. It's not going to land on Showalter. It's not going to well, land on Dusty Baker. Um, the Mets have elected to do the opposite of what the Phillies did. The Phillies ran their managerial search, how I would have run the Mets search, experienced, go right at it. Mets are going the opposite way. They want the front office yeah. to collaborate mm-hmm. with the manager, which Mike Francesa, give Mike Francesa credit. Right after Mickey Calloway was fired, he said that's probably the way the Mets – would go, and uh, here we are. Now, there may be a bombshell candidate. We'll get to that later. But, Rich, so where, what? Right. Is, give me the pulse. What What? What are you hearing out there? Where, what, where's that, that roulette wheel going to land? Where do you think that ball is going to land on that roulette wheel? I, I, if you ask me, uh, it, uh, the names that have been out there, you can confirm that. And now the mystery guy revealed today, Patrick Murphy, Brewers Benta, coach. Uh, uh, and, again, but the, the the perplexing thing again is, and maybe it's not so perplexing, no managerial experience with any of the names, and that presents another problem. Here we go again. We got Mickey Calloway again. You might as well have kept Calloway, kept him the, the last year, but it comes down to Brody wanting his guy and a guy that's going to agree with him and a guy he can control, as we know, as we've been reporting, as everyone talks about. So I, if you ask me, Mike, today, and it might even come tomorrow that they, they, they could make an announcement tomorrow um, that maybe it's going to be Bogart, Tim Bogart. 
because he has that background in the Mets organization. He's admired by the Will Ponds. Uh, but again, does Brody agree with it? Will there be a, an existence with the new manager and with uh, with Brody? Because that's what he wants, his own guy. But I, I, I've been hearing, and I'll still stick with it, that they really like Tim Bogart to be the next guy. But then this game, Patrick, the name Patrick Murphy came up today, which drew me off. I, I don't think anyone knew that was coming. And I have ties in the Brewers organization, as you know, and no one told me on that, kept it hush with me on that as well. But others have had that reported today. Eduardo Perez could be a guy that sneaks in the door. His interviews have went real well. Um, he's analytical, as we know. But again, we don't have a spin on any managerial experience except for world baseball classic stuff. That's a totally different game when you're in a major leagues as a manager. So I, I I'm still might come back to it. It is a, um, it, it would you want to call it jeopardy or you want to call it, uh, the roulette wheel. Um, I like Tim Bogart cause I keep hearing so many good things about him that his interviews have went well and that's been very favorable to him. Uh, but, you know, don't go on my word. Uh, I could be right a lot of times, but uh, I, I like Tim Bogar as being the next manager. But, again, I don't want fans to think that's definitely going to be the guy. So let's clarify that right away. Uh, what have you heard about? Because I reached out to someone I know in the game, and they don't have a one-on-one with Bogar. And he said, well, I'll, I'll look into it. Uh, yeah, yeah, he managed the Rangers as an interim uh, uh, manager. He was on Bobby Valentine's staff in Boston. He was on Terry Francona's staff. Right. Jerry Depoto, former teammate, brought him into the Seattle organization. He he worked uh, in the front office with Anaheim. So I could see from the resume where the desire, you know, Joe Madden had him on his staff about a decade ago. I yeah. could see where Brody's desire is. Guy uh, uh, was a bench coach under a, a, a probably a Hall of Fame manager in Francona. Uh, he yeah. worked and did some front office stuff with the Angels in Depoto. Uh, he's been a bench coach in multi- multiple different places. He was with Washington, Washington. And Mike Rizzo. Washington. Yeah, Mike yeah. Rizzo. Mm-hmm. I think you're seeing that that organization. You got to give that guy credit. You talk about sustainability. You know they've been good now for almost ten years. They lost. Yeah. You know, a top. You know mm-hmm. the top player. You know overrated player in my opinion, but a top player, a very good mm-hmm. player. Um, and they continue to go so. What do you like about Bogar? We know the interviews have gone well. Do you know why the interviews have gone well? What What do they like about Bogar? I think the approach of uh, going along with the plan and that he brings that experience being a coach with with the Washington National. I really think that a lot of the a lot of the weight uh, in his favor goes because of uh, being a coach with the Washington Nationals and how. Uh, he's been uh, he's been a major uh, reason of that coaching staff that turned that team around to get to the World Series, and that's carried a lot of weight. I do believe that, and what I'm hearing that has a lot to do with it. And his interviewing went well as far as his approach, uh, not only with analytics, which he is aware of, and which the Mets seem to be going at like every team more and more heavily into that, but also that uh, scouting, which has been a big part of the Nationals. Uh, uh, they're still very big on scouting and scouting reports, and Bogart's very good with that. He's also very good with players. He's very good with uh, teaching and adjusting, and that's made, that's a big part 
of being a manager, and that went well. And one of the, the, I think the first phase of his interview, that was one of his major approaches, one of his major things about how to approach things and game situations and how to incorporate an analytics and scouting at the same time, which the Mets is still a part of. Scouting is still a part of some teams, and the Mets being one of them. And he's got the Mets history, a little bit of the Mets history. Uh, he was always a fan favorite. Not a great Met that you're going to remember, but a, a Met that did some uh, did a lot of contributions over the years and the few years that he was there with the team. And uh, they look at that also for the fan base, uh, a former player. That's why Carlos Beltran's name kept coming up, like him or like him or not. And I wouldn't rule out Beltran still being a part of this. And I know that the the uh, uh, they're swaying away from that a little bit from what I've been hearing from my reports. But I wouldn't rule it out because he brings that mad history. And and uh, though the fan base might be playing a little role in that, why Beltran uh, would not be considered as a finalist here. The the the, the Patrick Murphy name has come up. Some viable sources, viable reporting. I got to give credit to my colleagues for coming out with that because they got me on that and a lot of others. Uh, and, you know, there's again an example of uh, no managerial experience, but a coach, a bench coach on a team that seems to make the postseason, you know, and has been successful at it the past few years. I don't know much about Murphy, except he does have a good solid background. He snuck in there, apparently. Uh, he's gone for a second interview. And I think the Mets are going to come to a decision with this. If they already haven't done it tonight, it could be done tomorrow because it's an off day in the World Series. And as we know, Major League Baseball doesn't want that being done during the World Series itself. And if you don't hear it tomorrow, then you'll probably get an announcement towards later in the week because uh, the Mets want to get this done by November 1st. Well, let me throw you a wild scenario that may or may not be in play. And you've heard, you still hear there's a bombshell candidate or there's a, uh, something that the Mets are looking at. And I did some poking around and I heard that, look, this AJ Hinch thing that comes up that has been debunked by uh, S and Y, maybe, maybe not it's not as it. <laughs> right. Maybe, well. maybe it's not as long shot as people think. So is it uh, plausible? Probably not. But Brody has the connection. He was his agent. He was his teammate. Hinch would fit. Now, Joel Sherman is correct. When he laid out yeah. how the interview went, Girardi had to win the job, just like Mickey Calloway had a, had a year yeah. to win the job. Mm-hmm. The other mm-hmm. guys are all in this pot, this roulette wheel that, you know, and I love how people say, well, the Mets don't know what they want. Well, no, they know what they want in a person. They're trying to figure out which one of these guys fits that. Now, one of the things that the Mets are looking for is – the long-term answer. They don't want someone who's just here two, three, four years. They felt maybe Girardi would be that. Dusty Baker certainly would be that. Buck Showalter would be that. And, and he had other issues in terms of collaboration. So A.J. Hinch could be their guy uh, that comes over. Uh, you know, he's, it's never going to get any better in Houston. It's never going to get any yeah. better. It, whether they win or lose now, uh, and they're very likely, I believe, with Scherzer out tonight, Gonna 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 win tonight and probably win the World Series. Yeah. It's never gonna get any better. You saw the articles about the toxic nature of that uh, front office, uh, the Tobman mm-hmm. situation, which is a stain on the team. 
The only one that came out looking good in that was AJ Hinch and how he handled it. That's right. And yeah. And he was the adult when everybody else played, you know, uh, you know, the old I think there was a, a skit out there, the old Curb Your Enthusiasm skit where Larry David said, "Can I half apologize because I really don't want to apologize." And 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 yes, that's what they did the Astros. So, um yes. AJ Hinch would be a guy that you know, maybe he forces his way out of a contract. Barry Trotz did it. Well, Pat Riley. What would be Bill Parcells. Yeah. Bill Belichick. Happened, they Mike. could force their way out, mm-hmm. you know? What yeah. are your thoughts? What would the con- – well, my thoughts on that are, well, we wouldn't know – that it pushes the search back further. And I don't think the Mets would want to go that far into the next but week. These guys will all be there. Bogart's not going anywhere. All right. Perez is not going anywhere. Uh, Beltron's not my going other- anywhere. I know. I, my other thought on this, Mike, is uh, despite everything you said and and all valid points on my ass, you got two factors here uh, to look at. Compensation the Astros would have to get, and it's very rare that this is going to happen, that it happens, where a current manager in place, especially a team that's in the World Series two out of the last three years, is going to jump ship and do that despite all the controversy that's gone around that team the last week. The The other thing is here is um, why would Hinch as successful he is there in Houston and as good as his managerial spot looks to be for the Mets, even though it hasn't been successful the last couple of years, why would he, despite the points again that you brought up, why would this guy, why would A.J. Hinch, even with his friendship and alliance with Brody, which Brody would love, I'm sure. Why would he want to leave Houston as a great situation, regardless of what's happened, and come to this big market and start all over again? I mean, I, 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 I'm just going giving my opinion on it. I and those are fair. Let me, let me, let me give you an idea, Rich. And and you're right. And that's probably why this isn't going to happen. Even though Brody, he wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't at least put it out there. I mean, he's a right. he's a guy that. That, that likes to recruit and, 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 and go after things that may not seem uh, a high percentage chance of happening. But he can – and the Mets would have to spend, which I know that that's some doubt uh, from the fan base right. and the media about the Wilpon's desire to go north of $2.5 million. But if you were going to get Girardi, you probably had to go close to four. Um, wouldn't he be more simpatico with Brody where he's the, ma- general, he's the manager – Remember, it's going to be the, – the way the setup looks, it's going to be the front office with the field manager part of that front office that's going to be running this team in the dugout. They're going to be running this team from a transactional standpoint. They're going to be running this team from the dugout. He would be part of that partnership with a person that he knows that he could have dinner with. He can pick up the phone. Right. They, they're not going to stab each other in the back. And there won't be any chair throwing in an office. None of that. There won't be, you know, look, there won't be. That's his no. guy. There, there's a certain level that he's not going to get. Now, is Jim Crane going to allow that to happen? Uh, you know, I'm sure he's not going to sit back. You know, read the, if you have the athletic, read the article about the Astros. Yes. The Astros are a very arrogant team. They're a very arrogant organization. Mm. They've, they've earned some of that. Um, they've developed a, a know-it-all culture. Um, and the media has helped Aiden abet that. It's funny how they're going to – you mark my words, the media will drag them down now, which is what happens. They right. drag you up the media, they right. will drag you down. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't want to be part of that. And again, a job in New York like this only comes around once in a while. 
Um, it's never going to get better than it is now in Houston. And and I just feel well, like that he, would be why he would do it. It's got to be a guy. Yeah, and it's got to be, again, in the case of Hinch or wherever it be, it's got to be a guy that's going to get along and work along, as you said, again, as we know, with Brody. And it's got to be a guy that's got to work out, or Brody could be out the door in the next year or so, depending on his contract, because it's just going to be all on him. I think Brody is uh, um, overall as he is, as aggressive as he is, and as very smart as he is, this is going to be right now, more than any off-season transaction the Mets might want to make, this is going to be the most crucial move is in his role as a GM for the Mets, more so than a player transaction or more that he's going to have to do in the off-season for this team, because this is a manager the Mets have to keep in place for a while. There's got to be stability, and it's going to be all on Brody's back. So again, your points about Hinch uh, be, uh, and his friendship with him are, are, are very important. And, and, and I think that is another part of this, that, that how, how long of a tenure would A.J. Hinch get if he came here? But I'm not even looking at that, Mike. I don't even think that's going to be. Again, I could be wrong because I'm not right all the time. Uh, but I just I think this is more fabrication and more speculating than it really happening. I think the names that have been out there that are finalists for this job are the ones to look at. And uh, again, if I, it, it could be Perez, it could be Bogart, it could be this mystery guy from Milwaukee, Murphy. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be AJ Hinch. Interesting. Uh, Rich Mancuso joining me here on the program, a friend of the program contributor, and we're looking to have him so on I plenty. Will... Mike, I will add this. I did talk to J.D. Davis, okay, who I talk to every once in a while, who uh, gave his uh, – he he loves Hinch. He he thought – when I mentioned A.J. Hinch to him, all right, uh, a couple of days ago, he was ecstatic about that. And that's where they know each other, okay, from the Houston organization. They respect each other. So he he said, wow, you know, that would be great, you know, something like that. So – but we're talking more than J.D. here. We're talking about the future of this franchise. Who's going to lead this team in the dugout and on that field the next few years? A little stability. Uh, I even yeah. heard, like, Terry Collins coming back into the fold, uh, which, 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 you know, I could see Terry maybe coming back with someone to be maybe on the bench. Or do stuff, but I don't even think Terry would want to do that. He's happy where he is now in the capacity. I think they want someone uh, a little advisor, bit more advanced. You know? I, I think and, that's and, a caretaker. And, I think that's a and bench coach younger, scenario or yeah. caretaker. Yeah. yeah and, sure. and, of course, managers are going younger in the game. Coaches are going younger. Because it's all got to be about analytics, as we know. So right. Right. Uh, it's anybody's guess right now. You know, Rich, uh, here's where I disagree with the fan base and the media, more so the fan base. I know they hate the ownership group. I know they hate the Wilpons. I get it. Yeah, uh, and one of the things they talk about is well, Brody wants someone that's his puppet. Okay, that's I hate that word, but Brody wants someone that's his no. partner. He wants someone that's his right. partner. But the Wilpons want a puppet. Well, if the Wilpons were making the decisions in this process and Brody wasn't in charge, then Buck Showalter, Dusty Baker, or Joe Girardi would be the manager. That's right. my opinion. Right. Because that's what the marketing. Right. That's and I, I give Andy more, and I got a lot of heat about this the other day because they don't like Martino on Twitter. Yeah, I know they don't like right. him. I, you know, and 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 what they say is that well, um, 
you know, who is he to say that that the Mets shouldn't? And, and he's right. The Mets should listen to talk radio. They shouldn't listen to the fans. Uh, they shouldn't right. listen to Mike Silva. Well, Mike Silva says two, 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 three weeks ago, you know, Girardi's the obvious choice. The Mets have this is the time. You know, they should do what the Phillies are doing, how they went about their mm-hmm. managerial search. Well, you know what? I'm not the GM. I'm here for a reason. Brody's there for a reason. And give the guy credit. I continue to tell people this when I hear things written, you know, from respected writers, guys like Dave Lennon, Mike Puma. They've been in the business a long time. And they say, mm-hmm. well, the Mets don't know what they want. No, they know what they want. It may not be, right. well, it's an analytic manager, it's an experienced manager. They know the kind of person or the characteristics they want, and they're not telling you. And he's doing it his way, and I respect that because he's going to go and do it his way. And when you hire somebody, uh, that's all that person could ask for, and, and that's what you should want out of your executive. And the fact that the fans don't have somebody that you know, is just following what their blueprint is, it's to me that's the way it should go. And this idea that Hein Bloom would be this knockout candidate, you know, Hein Bloom got turned down by the Phillies and the Giants as well as a GM yeah. executive. So mm-hmm. obviously he interviewed. Uh, there were issues in the interview process there. Now he got the job with the, the the Red Sox, and now you have all this revisionist history with. Well, look at the Mets if they had got Hein Bloom. That job with the Red Sox is a different job than what the Mets were looking for. The Mets wanted someone oh, that was going to run the whole organization. Hein Bloom is a cog yeah. within the Red Sox. Brody, listen. Martino reported this, and it's clear, uh, Rich, for anybody. You don't have to have an embedded source to know. He's in charge, man. He's making the calls. That's man. right. This guy is not a, right. not a joke. He's not a joke. And I, I was no. surprised to hear, and I don't know if you agree with this, I was surprised to hear uh, recently that he and Mickey were a lot worse off in their relationship as the year oh, went they on were. I could even imagine. Yeah. Really oh, bad. Yeah. There was – I can tell you this, and I, and I know this uh, – uh, for a fact, I could tell you they were at war for a long time. Uh, so what was reported about the chair throwing uh, was one thing, which I c- could say, you know, that definitely happened. Uh, I could tell you there was constant pressure on Mickey all year. Um, and it w- it got to the point that uh, Mickey at one point said, you know what? It's your team. Do what you want to do. Okay. And they were at each other's throat all season long. And I feel bad for Mickey because he learned on the job. He got better at the job. And he deserved that at least final year uh, for the, you know, for the team. Uh, not to break up the chemistry. The team responded to him, as I told you in our last report together. Uh, they, they, they responded to Mickey Calloway. And, I, and I'm glad he rebounded fast. He's going to be the pitching coach with John Madden uh, over at Joe Madden over at in, in, the Angels, and that's going to be a comfort zone for Mickey because he is a pitching guru. Um, but yeah, it's got to be someone again in that managerial chair that's going to exist with Brody, and that's going to be the guy that Brody wants that he could control. And saying the word puppet that you said is the exact word as it is. He's because Brody's going to probably help people line up and and uh, you do this, you do that, just go with the flow, pat him on the back. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season in April, you used to see Brody in the Mets clubhouse all the time. He would be, he would be in there almost every post game, walking around, shaking the hands of every player, greeting members of the media, and then a little bit of that continued in May, and then it abruptly stopped when the losing started again. Uh, then you didn't see Brody as much, except for getting out donuts every time in the press box. 
before every be- uh, beginning of a new series of City Field. And Brody would write, uh, have a good series for the media. We'd eat our donuts. But that's more than that. Point is that uh, I know that credit. Was he must have been racking really. up the Dunkin' Donuts. He must have had Dunkin' Donuts uh, rewards or oh. something like that on there. You know, oh, because I added twenty <laughs> the last pounds thing to you what I am already. Donuts. <laughs> Let me say, I've seen you guys in the press box. The last thing you guys need is yeah. donuts. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, right. I'm just That's joking. right. Look, no, but no, Rich, you're that's right. a very important thing. Look, look at the history of baseball. Um, David Johnson would not want Frank Cashin in the clubhouse. Uh, yeah. Pete Phillips and Bobby Valentine, if you remember. That was a big Valentine issue, I think, with Steve Phillips. You know the yeah, kind of line yeah. there with the clubhouse. Yeah, you never, um, you never saw you Sandy know. Alderson in that clubhouse. You never saw it. You never saw that. I'm, 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 and, listen, and he, I'm ambivalent know. on it. I, well, no, I'm not ambivalent on. It. Like, I'm, I'm, I understand the manager's point of view. I get why Brody wants to be in there, and I think in this world where players move a lot. And agenting and and communication is such a big part uh, in a transactional in sports is transactional now. You know you have yeah. to manage the agents and the players. Having that one to one with a play with a team helps you in a lot of ways with those agents that ultimately may get you a meeting with a player. I let when you know J, let's say J T Realmuto gets to free agency. I kept telling people yeah. Brody's going to get if he wants to meet. I don't doesn't mean they're going to sign everybody. But if he wants to get a meeting with somebody, he's going to get a meeting with somebody. I can't oh, yeah. tell you he's, that Sandy Alderson would have gotten a meeting with everybody. I don't no. know if Jim Wilfon well, but, would get a meeting with everybody. No. But Brody's going to get a meeting but with a lot Sandy, of But Sandy was a different personality, as we know. Older, respected, basically, by everyone in the game. And, Sleep, but uh, sleepy. You know, if you but could sleepy. Tell, you know what, though, Rich? Yeah. Sleepy. Yeah. Sleep, it was a sleepy yeah. organization and, and, under and, Sandy. For a long time, and, at some point, and, and I, I welcome this change. Yeah. I welcome it. No, no, I, I, I wanted to see a change, but I wasn't looking at a Brody to get last year to be the guy. Um, but you know, with Sandy, was a different personality, and it was something where you know he was getting respected, and he would make these awkward moves for this team. Some of them worked, some of them didn't, as we know. 2015 is a good example, going to the World Series with the moves he made at the midpoint to get what he had to get to get that team further, which he did, and he was very successful at it. Brody went right at it, as we know, right at the beginning with the, with the with Cano and Diaz trade right away. Um, and I really still don't know how much uh, favoritism went in that throughout that entire front office of been making such a bold move, but – um, this managerial process is not just Brody. Uh, I know he's got his lieutenants around him, including Omar Renier. And Adam uh, Gutridge. That, Adam Gutridge, you know, a young guy, an analytics guy. Yeah. Adam Gutridge is in those meetings. The fans better get used yes. to it. The media better get used to it. Adam Gutridge is going to be making mm-hmm. lineup decisions. And he's going to be yeah. making decisions. The reason J.D. Davis, the reason J.D. Yeah. Davis is with the Mets is because of Adam Gutridge. You know, that's a lot. Right, big right. And, and, Right, and uh, you know the, the hope is that JD still uh, is with this team next year because his name is floating around already. I don't know why, but it is on yeah. the on the trade market, and, and also that uh, he'll get more playing time, whether it be starting in the infield or in that outfield every day. But uh, again, it's going to be analytics that determines a lot. Not only what happens, uh, what players are going to end up getting. To, to make this team get to that next step next year, but who that manager is going to be. 
And that's why these interviews are going the way they are, this process, what it is with all these names. It, it, it really is, Mike, that I believe, and I have heard this too, that it, it's coming down to who can present the best analytical approach. In a lot of ways, that's what it's going to come down to. Um, and, and, and I heard Bogart definitely gave that right approach twice. So uh, that's why I'm leaning towards him. Again, I didn't say he's going to be the next Mets manager, but it's pretty, pretty um, much in his favor at this point, unless it's Patrick Murphy now, the mystery so-called guy, sneaks in the door and has a better approach. So it is a roulette wheel. We don't know. And it's interesting because I never remember uh, a Mets managerial search being this mysterious and complicated. And to tell you the truth, this long. And it's because no. of Brody. Uh, and it could know? be because, and it could be, and it could be a good thing. Rich, I, I got to run. Uh, you, you've done Yeoman's work here the last two podcasts, helping uh, illuminate uh, some inside I information. So. And uh, answers, we're looking forward to seeing I where. So. We're looking forward yeah. to seeing where you wind up. Um, and no matter where it is, even if it's just freelancing. You're going to be a part of the program because we really appreciate Well, it's what all you do freelance here. work at this point. That's what it is. But you go, you still work on a consistent basis with your freelance work. Um, I can tell you this much it still has a New York in the uh, headline of the website that I'll be jumping You're too, to. Listen, with and that then there'll accent, be other things. Living yeah. in the Bronx with that accent, <laughs> you can't write. You can't write for the Oklahoma Sooners. You can't write, no. you know. For the, you know, Iowa or Nebraska. You could try. No. Those guys, they'll be like, no, oh, but, my God. Who is this? Is this John Gotti on the uh, it'll, it'll, it'll delay <laughs> my departure for good to Phoenix, Arizona, where I want to go. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's let's great. put it that way. But it, it's uh, I'll keep everyone informed, including you first, where I'll be by the end of the week. And, uh, you know, of course, you get me on Twitter, Ring786, Facebook at Rich Mancuso, and uh, that's how you'll find out. But I'll, I'm going to give you the scoop on it by midweek, Mike. All right, Rich. Be well. We're looking forward to it. We'll talk soon, my okay, friend. Okay, thanks right? again for having me. Keep up the great work, Mike. You're Thank great. you. Thank, Thank you. you, Rich. Rich Mancuso. You know, I, I I got some really – I'm really lucky to have some really good contributors, loyal people, fr- I, people I consider friends that I could pick up the phone and talk to that understand what I'm doing, understand the dialogue on Twitter and um, don't get caught up in the BS and the politics that goes on in today's day and age. So I'm really happy to have uh, Rich Mancuso uh, as part of the Talking Mets podcast here on uh, a semi-regular basis. All right, let's take a quick break. Final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. You never know who's going to stop by the Talking Mets podcast. Back on June 16th, 2019, Hall of Famer, Mike Piazza talked about the transition from Los Angeles to New York. It was a huge environmental shift. I mean, I'm living on the beach in Los Angeles and, uh, you know, walking around in flip-flops and sandals and then getting in a car and driving to Dodger Stadium and the fans love me and, and the, the girls love me and everyone's screaming your name. And then next thing you know, you're in the, you know, the cauldron that is New York because uh, it's just, it was a different environment and, and it was more laid back in Los Angeles. Um, 
until my contract dispute, I never got booed in L.A. So when I was getting booed here, it was like a new experience, and I really didn't know how to handle it. And then I eventually came around and I figured it out that New York fans are passionate. They have a blue-collar attitude. They just they love their team. And I mentioned that in my Hall of Fame speech. I think it made me better. Listen to this and more on the Talking Mets podcast at www.talkingmetspodcast.com. All right, final thoughts. Good stuff from Rich Mancuso. Uh, always appreciate his perspective, and he definitely has uh, a good inside take. Um, and what we like to do here is, look, we're not trying to break news here, but we're trying to get people that have talked to industry sources to get context and to, to kind of dig a little deeper in the uh, in the process here because, uh, you know, there's information out there, not a lot. And like I said, you got to give the Mets a lot of credit for how they um, – you know how they've kept this pretty much under wraps, and if that, I think that's going to be the new front office. I think the one lesson they learned this year, and what you saw with uh, the Houston debacle uh, in the World Series, is you got to manage the press, and and not just to manage them to manage the message, but to manage the non-essential, uh, non-baseball related stuff that could really put a stain on your organization, and a lot of the narratives that come out that miss misinform the fans during a managerial search could hurt the team and maybe even uh, turn off a candidate. Uh, it's important to kind of keep the press at arm's length. And I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see more of that. I think uh, that was something that Mickey did not do well. Although I'll say, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast uh, before, the last couple of weeks I thought Mickey Calloway was phenomenal. He was comfortable. He was himself. And if he had been like that from day one, maybe things would have been different. But be that as it may, the new GM wants his own person. And uh, truthfully, when uh, 2017 happened, or and then 2018 uh, you know, was the new dawn of the day, it probably should have been a new GM, new manager, similar to 2010 when they got rid of Omar Manaya and Jerry Manuel, and, and they didn't do that. And um, that's probably the biggest mistake the Mets have made uh, outside of probably even going further in their rebuild after 2010 because of the financial situation they were in. That's probably the biggest, the two biggest mistakes they've made over the last decade. But, you know, that's uh, that's water under the bridge. They are where they are now, and they're trying to move on from it. Uh, the podcast, like I said, we're hoping to get back into the weekly routine. World Series uh, will be over in a few days, maybe sooner. And um, looking to do a, a fun segment, an historical segment. I'm working on something there. I do want to get into the Arizona Fall League. I was going to try to get into some of that maybe today, but this managerial stuff is really dominating the news. So there'll be more uh, content coming up. You know, Keep following me on Twitter, at Mike Silva Media, for the latest. I'll give you the latest updates with the podcast. And keep going to Apple Podcasts. If you go to Apple Podcasts, you'll, you'll get the alerts when it's, you know, make sure you do the settings correctly. You'll get the alerts when the, the new podcast is up. Uh, the goal is to get it weekly for the most part. And then, you know, sometimes in the offseason we go a little bit longer. We take a couple of breaks, but you'll continue to get what I feel is some of the best independent Mets coverage. No affiliations, no bias, no agenda. Someone that's trying to bridge the gap between the media and the fans and and give an honest and uh, forthright take to what uh, what's going on in the Mets uh, universe. want to thank everybody, of course. Continue to listen. Uh, 
to me at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And as I said, I'm hoping to hear more about this managerial search and talk to you guys all soon. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Be well, everybody. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.